You're listening to DraftKings Network. I'm like, are you guys serious or joking? And I and then I deduced from my more research that they're being serious. I'm just like the <laughs> You, the team isn't even trying that hard to win. It, they're trying hard to justify <laughs> the losing. I'm yeah. like, I just take the summer off and have a nice little cocktail by the pool, a nice Hep little two. Bobby Margarita. Hep two, like you can't like, get to round two. I can't. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan, and as always, I am joined by two of my favorite people and two of my very favorite writers in the world. And so today, for our little superlative intros, I'm going to talk about what makes their writing so special. This first individual has one of the most unique voices I've ever read, and that makes it absolutely insane how much analysis gets packed into what is always a chock full of informative details, but also entertaining as all get out piece. I've never read a piece by this person that I didn't instantly love. It's always creative. It's always new. It's always fresh. Sarah Sivian, how are you? I'm about to cry. I'm tired and that makes me want to cry. You are a gem to the world, Allison. We need to start doing these back to you. Yeah, we really do. We need to pull up this thesaurus, and then after you're done introducing us, be like, and we're joined by, and then do a whole thing. Should we? Should we just, you know, no. the most innovative, You're ruining my intro. Ruining my intro. Ruining incredible. It. Keeps us together. Our glue guy, Allison yes. Lucan. There you go. All right. So, Sarah, how are you? Are you good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the off season. I yes. am getting ready for Montreal with the fellas and the ladies. And I am done. <laughs> Excellent. And of course, we are also joined by someone who actually taught me how to make moving pictures. Someone who knows pretty much everything about every single NHL player that there is. <laughs> devoted to making sure that the entire hockey landscape is covered and again, someone who writes with data, with charts that are created conceptually from a place of genius every single time and brings life and insight to how the game of hockey is played at all levels by all communities. And that is Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. You're too good to me. No, I'm not. I try. You're too <laughs> She's good not to wrong me. about you, though, Shana. There you go. See? Stop. There you guys you are going to give me feelings, and I don't like those. <laughs> well, we know that. There you go. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, you know, before the craziness and the excitement of the final begins, which I have to say is a final that I am legitimately totally jacked for, and I hope that it lives up to the hype. Before we get into the hockey that is about to be played, we wanted to pause, take a breath, and clean out our bit of news file. Sarah, what time is it? <laughs> Boing! Bit of news o'clock. <laughs> We're on a budget. Hold on. We'll get effects later. <laughs> All right. Well, we have some news that we did want to talk about. Just a couple quick hit items. Um, the first is one is obviously from the Seattle Kraken. Um, this came out last week, um, but goaltender Chris Drieger suffered an ACL tear on his right leg in the final game of Worlds uh, when he was playing for Team Canada. 
And if that isn't bad enough, the recovery time is six to nine months. That is insane. That is an incredibly long amount of time. I believe it takes him into March um, when he could potentially be ready to return to the ice. Um, on a off-ice note, uh, this one hits pretty hard. Drieger had an up-and-down season in Seattle that was marred by quite a few injuries, and also he had COVID. Um, and then when he was finally to, able to come back and be on the team in a regular basis, um, he had done a lot of work that he talked openly about of investing in his mental health and his mental preparedness, not just his body. And his game really rebounded, and I think everyone, including him, was excited to see what this next season would bring. And now that's hit pause. So it's something you hate to see, um, but now Seattle has to look at their goaltending situation a little bit differently. Um, Joey Decord, who played for the Charlotte Checkers, is technically next on the lineup chart. We don't know if, what will happen there. Um, but a big shift in the Kraken's goaltending going into next season. Sarah, any thoughts on this? Yeah, this is a six to nine. That's not nice. Uh, it is... I understand wanting to represent Canada for sure, especially as all the aforementioned ups and downs he went through. It seems like a good opportunity to like right the ship and like get things on the right track before the season. It's just what a shame. Six like that is such a long time. Uh, I mean, he might be able to come back uh, like midway through the season, but then it's going to be such like a rehab stint in the A, a few other things. Oh, my God, my cat just jumped very high. Okay. So I, <laughs> I was like, how do you do that? I, She could be a net for the Kraken, I guess. But that is really disappointing. Shane, any thoughts on Chris Drieger? It just sucks because it felt like he was on the right path in Florida, even though we all knew, like, his tenure would only go so far there with Spencer Knight coming up. And Seattle felt like such a good opportunity for him, and obviously things didn't go that well, like, this past season. But – it's not like he was the only one, so maybe next year would be like a fresh start to see what he could do, and now it's, it's going to be really tough for him to come back. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity somewhere for him in the league, wherever it may be, like after this, if not Seattle. But it it just sucks. Like, you see these injuries, and I get the, like this is the risk you take when you go to, like, Worlds or the Olympics or anything else. But obviously this is, like, the worst-case scenario. Absolutely. So, again, these injuries keep coming out, but this is one that was rather significant, and obviously um, the team I cover, so we wanted to highlight that and wish Chris well and hope for a full recovery for him. Um, in other news, and this is above and beyond just hockey, but friend of the pod, Erica Ayala, has launched Black Rosie Media. You can find it on Twitter, at Black Rosie Media. Um, she has merch, but more importantly, this is a whole effort, a business that she has launched, and her stated goal is empowering black women and melanated creators in sports media. And, you know, Erica is just a force. You can find information on this whole effort at blackrosymedia.com. And I just wanted to make sure that we gave her a shout out because we appreciate the work she does. And this is, again, sports media, a space where there's not enough diversity in the voices and the faces that we hear and see. So check out what Erica's doing. Shana, just how impressive is Erica, just literally on a daily basis, and, and how excited are you to see this launch of Black Rosie Media? She's incredible. In every space that she you know, creates content for every single sport she covers, I think that she is breaking ground where we need it. 
And, you know, the more traction she builds, the better it'll be for everybody. We need more diversity in every single sport, not just hockey, even though hockey needs it a lot, a lot of it. I would say, the two sports I love, hockey and tennis, are the sports that need it the most, and it's sad. So anytime anybody can bring that change, it's fantastic. So support Erica's work so we can see more diversity in all sports and get better for it. Sarah. Yeah, she's one of the best things to ever happen to hockey. I'm grateful that she is in the hockey community and sticks around despite it all. So thank you, Erica. Yes, wish her well. And again, check out Black Rosie Media both on her website and also on social. You can also buy her merch. Great way to show your support. Um, and then in another, we're kind of stretching the boundaries of bit o news here, but we just wanted to honor the continued commitment to the how does this affect the Leafs crowd. Um, Shayna, this is something that, for better or worse, you have been close to, seen a lot of. Take us through the current status of the Toronto focus that needs to dominate every hockey activity in the NHL. So Saturday night, my boyfriend was in one because the Rangers lost. Hockey season's over for him. Baseball season started miraculously Saturday night and his team fucking lost on top of it. He was having a very, very rough night. But I saw him finally cracking up and it was him staring at his phone at Leafs tweet. Um, Things like beat the Leafs, advanced to the Stanley Cup final, talking about Boston in 2019, Montreal in 2021, and... Uh, Tampa in 2022 Uh, this tweet three out of four playoff round rounds done and the Maple Leafs are still the only road team to win a game in Tampa Bay something to really really hang your hat on um what what literally not even the team to beat them and they're still doing this yeah what an incredible (laughs) hypothetical run for the Leafs like you name it he sent me six tweets Remember how quick the refs waved off the game seven Tavares goal, zero hesitation, when, like, guess what? They waved it off for a fucking reason. Oh, my God. Um, but Justin Hull sent a pick when it was about uh, Truba's non-interference call against Perry. Um, outcomes of the teams that have knocked out Toronto in the first round. 2017 won the Cup the next year. 2018 won the East the next year. So it's not just the Cup we're talking about. It's everything. 2019 won the the East that year. can always be lowered. (laughs) 2020 lost to the Cup champs who still haven't lost since. 2021 won the West asterisk that year. 2022 (laughs) won the East that year. Might win the Cup again. So it's just incredible, like, how does everything affect the Leafs? And, like, I'm not saying... Like, I know it when, when I only rooted for the Rangers and they lost to Pittsburgh, you know, in round one and the Pittsburgh went on to win the cup. That was, like, one of the last years, like, I really watched as a fan and I was like, um, I was like, at least they got beat by the best. Like, you can hang your hat on that to an extent. I get it. I know Islander fans, you know, the last two years got knocked down the Eastern Conference Final to the Lightning and they don't look at it as we got beat by the best. Like, you do for a minute, but they're also just like, fuck the lightning in the very next breath. And now the Leafs are, like, clinching on to any little bit of hope when they couldn't get past the first round. Even the fucking Florida Panthers did. I'm sorry, Toronto. This is not about you. This is about Tampa Bay. This is about Colorado. If you want to say the Leafs would have been a great matchup, or maybe the Leafs should have played in the Western Conference, or maybe the Leafs could have. They didn't. They didn't. They did not. They lost in round one yet again. They were the better team at times, and they lost. It's literally beyond parody at this point. Like, you you can't – 
I can't even tell if half the tweets like that I saw too because they're all over the place I'm like are you guys serious you're joking and I and then I deduced from my more research that they're being serious I'm just like the you, the team isn't even trying that hard to win it, they're trying hard to justify the losing I'm yeah. like I just take the summer off and have a nice little cocktail by the pool a nice Pep little two. Bobby margarita two, like you can't like, get to round two I can't <laughs> And I don't, can I clarify, I don't hate, like, the Maple Leafs team. I know, like, we make fun of them a lot. Like, I legitimately don't hate the Leafs. It's just the, anything in hockey, how it relates back to the Leafs. Like, can we rotate? Can someone else take a turn? How does this affect the Coyotes? How does this affect the Lightning, the reigning champs? If we want to relate to anybody, like, for fuck's sake, the Lightning beat the Leafs, and look at them now. The Leafs are what gave the Lightning the power to do it because the Lightning were not that strong in round one until they sucked the life out of the Leafs. Like, come on. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a discourse. Lot. It's a discourse. It um, but there you go. We now have an, We are now continuing the tradition by including Toronto in our bit of news. So there you go. That's how, the, how too many men affects the Leafs. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, well, when we do our newsy episodes, unfortunately, people keep giving us material for the shit list. So it did come out in uh, exit interviews for Edmonton, um, players saying that they wanted to see Evander Kane back. This was reported by Zach Lang uh, at Z-J-L-A-I-N-G on Twitter. Uh, Dreisaitl said he was very happy with Kane coming to Edmonton, said off the ice he was a great team guy, helped the team in a big, big way, quote, we'd love to have him back. Points there, sir, for including an off-ice mention. Um, and then it has been reported that Evander Kane to stay in Edmonton is looking for a new contract. Remember, pending the results of an arbitration hearing, um, related to, or it's not arbitration, is it? But pending a hearing related to his transgressions that voided his contract in the West, in California, he is due a new contract and he's asking for $7 million range if he stays in Edmonton, $8 million elsewhere. No one's ever disputed Evander Kane's on-ice ability, but now here we are even including his off-ice contributions and we're looking at a player who's going to look for something between seven and eight million a year, if a new contract is in fact needed. Shana, your thoughts? So, I don't even want to shit on the Oilers players for talking him up, because like I think we all know it. Like a player can, for all we know, Evander King worked his ass off to be a good human being there because of the reputation he had, and he knows this was like. Not for nothing, if he struck out here, what opportunities would he have? Like, I think we could look at it that way. I think I'd rather it be stuck to the on-ice stuff and not hear his character, whatever. But if he was, like, a good teammate there, like, I, I don't even – I'm not even, like, going there. Let's talk about the money. There's <laughs> – you have to earn – a $7 million contract, and you have to earn an $8 million contract. And even if we took away the off-ice stuff, I still don't think he would be worth that. I think it's great that he thrived alongside Connor McDavid. Um, a lesser player could, but he obviously was – he complimented him, sure. 
at your age, I wouldn't want to give that kind of contract if I were a GM to a player anyway. Like, we know aging curves, late 20s, early 30s. That's not when you start handing out money. Like, you're going to probably go on the downswing. And the other thing is, like, he had those big contracts. If I'm a team, I don't want to give him anything with term either. If you give him a one-year deal, I'd say five or six million, I feel like that would make a little more sense. But I don't think he's the kind of player you want to trust with term either. It's not like his value is going to go up from here. I don't care if he put up 100 points next season. Like, it doesn't doesn't work like that. Like, it's just the wrong time of your contract. But there's a reason he has not earned that. He has not earned these huge deals. And anyone saying that, it's just like, have a little bit of self-awareness. Obviously, you have to believe in yourself, but maybe just don't say anything because the lack of self-awareness is, like, mind-boggling. Like, you're putting it out there. Like, if you want me, you're going to have to have a bidding war for me starting at $8 million. I would rather take $8 million and throw it in the garbage. Like, that's what I think. Sarah, no bias. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. I are, – why are we surprised? Like, my first reaction to that is why are we surprised? Um – he has gotten so many opportunities and now he's on his last opportunity to be a good teammate and save himself from debt to like he is literally has to do this to make money you know what i mean it's just like all he has to do is shut up like that's and he's accomplishing it so good for him i just think obviously we're so I don't know, quick to forgive. I, I'm i trying to put myself in the shoes of Dreisaitl. I kind of criticized him. I, I sh- probably shouldn't have because it's like, what are you going to say? And, like, nobody has ever been like, oh, I hate this guy while they're a teammate because then you're the locker room problem. So I, I just think it stinks when you put a team and teammates in the position to have to say things about a guy who has made – a ton of I'm not even gonna call them mistakes he's done a lot of bad things and I don't think being a good teammate is makes up for that when he's made millions around the table like I'm just never gonna think that well it's interesting too right because that was the whole litany of stories that did come out of San Jose it was rumored to come out when he was in Canada but San Jose that was the thing guys got sick of him in the room Mm -hmm. right so now, granted, it seems most of those stories didn't come out till after he was not exactly. playing officially or not, but exactly. here we are. We have another entry on our shit list. This one is not hockey-related, but my friends, this demands our time. We are officially hashtag free Britney here at Too Many Men. Um, and if you didn't know, you now know that Britney Spears got married this past weekend in the midst of her wedding. Her first husband, look, look, if you don't know, go look it up. Her first husband, the one she married in Vegas, Jason Alexander, not only showed up at her wedding, but live streamed it on social and basically tried to crash the wedding, got into the house. He eventually was arrested. But sir, you are on the shit list. Let it go. Sarah, I know you have thoughts on this please discuss. I'm just very confused. I mean, they haven't been together in over, what, a decade? And the live streaming, um, it's all very sketchy. I feel bad. She can't have anything. And then people are also criticizing her because she looks like a normal person dancing with her friends. It's like, no, this is what she deserves after not being a normal person for so long. Um, 
I just don't even know what to say about that. I feel like so many things have happened to her that it's another thing like that. And it's, I, I seriously am speechless. Shayna, did you have any thoughts on, on Jason Alexander's antics, particularly on someone's wedding day? Tell me you're looking for clout without telling me you're looking for clout. Like, dude, you were married to Britney Spears, and for whatever reason, it didn't work. And it wouldn't surprise me if you were part of the reason it didn't work. So, like, you had your chance, and you probably screwed that one up. And um, didn't seem like you were doing much to help her in her situation either. So, you don't get to jump in now. Just let her live. I Everyone has so many thoughts, and, like, you know, you might look at things and go, oh, they, they seem a little odd or whatever. But, like, haven't been in her shoes, so... Like, go get a life. Go get a job. Go get a life. Don't look for, what, like, social media fame because you streamed her wedding. Like, just fuck off. (laughs) I was going to say more, but that's it. (laughs) No, no. Hit me. What do you got? (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, literally, that's, like, the perfect. And, and no, I'm with Sarah. I just have so many questions. Why go? Why live stream it? Why? And if you watch the videos, he like goes in guns a blazing verbally, like I'm so and so, I'm her first husband, I'm here to crash. Like literally walks in saying, I'm here to crash. Like if you're really because no crash one the knows wedding, who he is, no one knows yeah, who he is. Yeah, but beast. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But like the whole thing is just bizarre. So yeah. uh, yes, that certainly deserves time and attention on the too many men shit list. Jason Alexander, go away. Um, but let's come back. To hockey, my friends. As I said at the top, Stanley Cup final is beginning this evening. And again, my personal opinion, I'm excited. I'm really interested to see how these two teams stack up, how this series goes down. I don't know what to expect. I think it's fascinating. And there are a ton of narratives to break down as a result of this. So let's go through. We obviously know that from the West, it's the Colorado Avalanche going up against the two-time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, in a best-of-seven series. It's going to be very, very interesting. And let's start with one narrative that has been talked about a lot in postseason play, but we do feel like, and we talked about this last episode, comes to bear more than maybe I at least thought it did, and that's the rest versus rust issue. When we look at New York versus Tampa, it was kind of guessed around that New York's amount of hockey played caught up with them, while Tampa really was able to refill their tanks and go the distance in that series because they did have a significant chunk of time off. Going into this series, it's not Tampa Bay with the rest. It is Colorado with the rest. Sarah, do you think this narrative will apply here? And if so, do you think it could benefit the Avs? I, I think it's too narrative-y for a Stanley Cup final, you know? I think it, there is truth to the narrative, and then we saw it, and I said that about the Rangers versus the Lightning, that I thought the Lightning would ultimately benefit, and they, I think they did. I also think they're just the Lightning. Like, I don't know. It's like it's part of many narratives, and I do think – at, like as Rod Brindamer always says when we ask him if it's important I got the first goal or something he's like ask me at the end because <laughs> we'll see if it's important or not at the end but I think it's the two best teams in the league going at it 
And Shayna, before you comment on just that issue too, while the team for Tampa Bay isn't getting much rest, we do believe they're going to get back a player who used time away from the Eastern final to get some rest, and it sounds like hopefully recovery, and that's Braden Point, who's presumed to be returning as well for Tampa Bay. Your thoughts on rust versus rest and the impact that Point could have if he's able to play at his full abilities for this, this series. So I think if it was a matchup of the Rangers and Avalanche, that would be more of a narrative because it would have been 14 games to get there versus 21 games, and that's a really big difference. Um, and the Lightning did have a round two sweep. I think the thing is, too, Colorado swept in round one, and they managed. They didn't look too rusty in round two. Like, maybe it took them a second to get into sync. But I'd be curious. I really would love to hear about it, I'm sure, after the Cup final ends. I want to know what they were doing between rounds to stay sharp because it did seem like they did that pretty well. So I'm curious about that. Um, they have injuries that I'm not sure how many players are going to be able to return, like Will Kadri, Will Cogliano. We know Gerard's done. I, uh, hopefully that helps, uh, Fra- uh, I'm sorry, uh, Darcy Kemper, because he was backing up in game four. So that's encouraging for them. I yeah. think it's important that they have both goalies at the ready. But from Tampa's side, we saw how the rest benefited them because, like, in round two, it was such a parade to the locker room for them. And there were guys banged up, and I'm sure, like, that only furthered in round three. So Ryan McDonough, it looked like maybe a hand injury. So that's another consideration. But the the rest that they got in round two and going six bought them time for Braden Point, which is so important. Um, he didn't have a perfect regular season, but we know – when push comes to shove this time of year, he is a big game player. He is maybe their best all-around forward, I would say. As much as I love Kucherov's game and Stamkos' game, like Point really is, I think, their best all-around forward and has that star power to really take over games. And I think the more star power you can get, the better. Um, the more rounded out your lineup is, the better, because now it trickles down the rest of it. Nick Paul moves down. Your, you know, your second and your third lines just got that much stronger. So... You know, it only helps to have a point. And if you lose a player too, which we know can happen, like now you have more options. But I'm super curious to see how Colorado has a jump in their step. And I do wonder too, like they have home ice advantage and we talk a lot about the altitude of Colorado. You know, Tampa only plays there once a year and didn't have as much time to maybe go train there. We see in the football season, teams go there for the full week to to practice and train in that way. They didn't get that chance. They'll have between now and Wednesday, obviously, I don't know how heavy duty their practices are going to be because they might want the rest too, but maybe that helps Colorado a little bit more as well. Like maybe if the series started in Tampa, it'd be a different story. What about point, Shana? You talked about him a little bit, but what does he bring in his game specifically that makes him a big weapon for this team? He is an unbelievable skater. He has incredible straight line speed now. He can pivot and use his edges to just turn around and, and make these incredible plays. He's so smart the way he sees the ice. He is so good at creating offense off the rush. He's so good at just getting his team into the zone with possession to start, you know, cycle plays. He can create either way. Um, and, you know, we'll see it. If you if you look at any, like, zone entry chart, you're going to see him always in the top right corner because he's so good at creating entries and making the best out of those entries. Um, and he's fine in his own zone, too. Uh, he's someone that in the last couple playoff runs we saw paired up Nikita Kucherov. The two of them have this unreal chemistry. They know where each other's going to be. So while you're trying to defend one, you still have to worry about the other. And it just challenges defenders who's going to do what because they're both so evasive. And, you know, they can trick their 
their opponents into what play that they're going to make. Uh, he He's a legitimate great, a game breaker. And it's impressive to see because he wasn't drafted as high because of his skating and things like that. And you just see the way that he has built up his game to be the difference maker, which is crazy to say on a team that has Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos, and Kucherov. He's someone that can become the conversation above them with his game. Sarah, what's the matchup you're looking at most going into this series? Is it goaltender versus goaltender? Is it McKinnon versus, I don't know, is it Stamkos? Is it point? What what What's the big decision points that you're going to be watching for? I definitely want to see how far Stamkos can take it. And then obviously experience versus competitiveness. I think the Avalanche, it's not that the Lightning have less to lose, but the Avalanche have more to gain in kind of finally being making that step to win their first cup um, as a cohesive team. I'm looking at Makar breaking out more than he even has if that's possible just because that's fun and impossible to ignore uh obviously goalie versus goalie but I don't I don't know no one's Vasilevsky so Shana what's your matchup to watch I do love McCarr versus Hedman I love that no matter what we were getting elite defender versus elite defender whether it was McCarr versus Fox or McCarr versus Hedman um I even like, you know, you look at the depth and it's like, well, you could stack up Josh Manson and Ryan McDonough as these like hard defensemen to play against or Eric Chernak, whichever you so choose. Um, I like Point versus McKinnon to an extent and Ranson versus Kucherov. But the one that I think intrigues me above all else is Anthony Sorelli against Nathan McKinnon. Um, Sorelli was like a selkie caliber player that I don't think got as much attention because the offensive side wasn't as bright as other players in the race. But his defense is excellent. And this is someone that goes against top competition, you know, so well. And now he's on the line with Kaloran and Hagel. And they are shutting down opponents for, you know, for Sorelli specifically. Round one, it was Matthews. Round two, it was Barkov. Round three, it was Zibanejad. He did an excellent job with each one. And now he gets Nathan McKinnon. So it's a good test for him. It's kind of similar to how last year we looked at um, Philip Deneau going up against Matthews as well. Because it affects the Leafs. And <laughs> Mark Scheifele. And then Mark Stone. So... I'm curious about that one. We already saw Ryan O'Reilly go up against McKinnon. So now we're going to see Sorelli, and it's, it's, you have more support now as that shutdown line instead of just the one player like they did against St. Louis. And in some games, they did manage to, you know, Colorado would win the shot battle, but they didn't have the quality chances when it was O'Reilly versus McKinnon until the end of the series. So I'm curious how that shakes out too. Sarah, you mentioned this already, and it's the thing that I have talked about a lot that's impressed me with Tampa, and that is this whole intangible side that Tampa seems to be able to channel in, and this whole just like, we know how to do this. We've done this. We're going to do it again. And it almost sometimes defies what we think is going to happen from an ability side or what have you. It's that experience factor, if you will. How much does that factor in when you talk about Colorado having more to gain, for example, how much of an edge is it for Tampa to have this we've done it, we can do it again attitude that they seem to keep bringing out in their play? Yeah, well, you've seen it multiple times. I mean, probably especially last game with that response goal throughout their playoff run where, like, they – it's kind of like the rest versus rust thing where they know how to rest while in game. So I feel like that factors in and they know when to pump the brakes and when to hammer the gas. So I think – that's huge, and that could be the deciding factor. Shayna, there is another narrative that is getting a little bit of subtle press thanks to you, and that is the Corey paradigm. 
<laughs> Let our listeners know what the biggest obstacle may actually be for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So while Pat Maroon out here has his own three-peak going, keeps winning cups, first with St. Louis, then back-to-back -back with Tampa Bay, you have Corey Perry who keeps losing. He lost with Dallas to Tampa. He lost with Montreal to Tampa. And now he's with Tampa. So is Tampa fated to lose to Colorado? I don't know. Or... You know, I know that the players looked at it and they're like, oh, he's such a fucking pain in the ass to play against. And they had two playoffs of him front and center to be like, that's what we want on our team because we don't want to play against him and we think he can be an asset. And I do love how the players were the ones that kind of gathered and were like, we want him. I think that's so cool. Um, you know, we talk about him. He's not an 82-game player, but he comes alive in the playoffs and he totally does. Um, but could he be the curse? I don't know. Where's Drake? Who knows? We got to figure out Drake's <laughs> stance on Corey Perry. <laughs> That's going to be the deciding bet. factor. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Waiting for him um, patiently to weigh in. I love that. I love that. All right. Let's, um, this series is just going to be really interesting to watch. Um, but let's finish this up with some quick fire rounds. We'll go for one word answers here on this. And we'll go through um, just kind of ping pong style. First up, first question. Does Nazim Kadri return and play at least three games in the series? Sarah. No. Shayna. Yes. Okay. I have Does... to see the math of when the schedule is. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Does Darcy Kemper start in goal at least three games this series? Sarah. Yes. Shayna. Yes. What about uh, your answers? Yeah, what? Yeah, you need answers. What's your I answer to the Kadri? I'm I am going to say no. And I'm going to say yes to Kemper. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to go through, you know, I always quote the interminable saying is that to really contend for a championship, you have to have a number one center or forward, a number one defenseman, and an elite goaltender. So let's go through these two teams unit by unit and say which one we think has the edge. If we look at the forward core, loosely translating that to offensive ability, who has the edge, Shana, Colorado or Tampa? Colorado. Colorado, okay. Mm. Sarah. Tampa. Interesting. Are we going star power or Death. Overall ability. Overall ability. Okay. Who's the stronger team offensively? All right, Tampa. Okay. All right. I am going to go with Tampa also. Defense, Sarah. Colorado. Shayna. Tampa. Oh. I'm going to go with Colorado. I'm on the Kale McCarr train. Yeah, it's just that's him. Yeah, exactly. Jack Johnson. I want to see Ryan Murray play a game. Listen. I don't know if he's he hasn't yet. I, I, I feel like I wonder if they'd go Curtis McDermott over him because of Tampa's just stomp physical on my play. Dreams, Shana, that's fine. I'm just, just fine. I don't agree with it. I'm just that's saying. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Goal tending. Sarah. Tampa. Shana. Tampa. I will also go Tampa. Bless All right. So I will tell you if we use this very unscientific method. Each of us gave Tampa Bay the edge in two of the three K 
categories of play. Not all of us are the same, but we did. So now we end this little bitty preview with our pick for who takes home the Stanley Cup this season. Sarah, who's your team and how many games is it going to take? Abs in seven. Been saying that since day one and we'll continue to say that. Shayna? I'm going to go abs in seven as well. Interesting. But mm, do I want six? <laughs> no, seven. They have seven. home ice. I'm going to go seven. All right. Well, just to be obstinate, I'm going to go abs. I have to because they've been my pick from the start. Even though Tampa has really impressed me even more than I already held them in high regard. But just yeah. to be uh, contrarian, I will go six. Um, what do you think of the playing style matchup? Because I feel like for me, I look at it and I'm like, I feel like after Colorado won round two, which was probably like their biggest test, like round three, they like went wild, like this their playing style. We're going to shove it down your throats and kick your asses that way. And they did. And Tampa is a team that they can play it speedy. They can play it defensively. They went against the high flying team like Toronto that skates fast and puts a lot of offense up and Florida, who in theory should Thank play that way. Thank you for mentioning the Leafs. We appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Florida, who in theory should play that way and didn't. And then, you know, the Rangers, it's, it's a totally different the team that isn't as good at 5-on-5 five five, but has a special team. So I, like, do you, I feel like Tampa can play both ways. But what do you think, like, of the actual playing styles? Like, what team do you look well, at and you're like? That's what I actually think is going to be interesting, right, is that both teams have shown the ability to adapt. And so, to me, that, that's why game one, it's, it's going to be a question of who sets the tone and also who adapts. Because I think that's going to be the bigger question is they're both going to come out, I think, in different ways. I think we're going to see Colorado come out like they did in game one versus Edmonton, which was just insane and delightfully fun. Um, and then we'll see if Tampa can counter. I think Tampa's going to maybe be a little bit more responsy, which is a totally fine strategy. But I think it's going to be the counter that um, tells us. Because both teams have shown they can do it. Sarah, what do you think? No, exactly. That's kind of what worries and excites me about the Avalanche. They are they can't put all their eggs in that game one basket. They definitely have to outlast Tampa Bay. And that's going to be, I think, their biggest challenge. Because Tampa Bay is probably going to step back and play the counter a little bit. What do you think of our answer, Shana? I like the answers. Can I ask one more question? You have one more. Oh, you got the floor. Yeah. So I was thinking about this in the last series because it did feel like no penalties were being called. And I think someone said it to me. They like tweeted and they were like, you know, it was someone like Connor McDavid was just like call the rule book and call it a day. Would you rather see everything? Uh, consistency is what we all want, right? Like that's yes. that's it. Would you rather see everything get called, even if it the play is a little bit more segmented, there's less flow, there's so much special teams time, yada, yada, yada. Or would you rather it's kind of hands-off until something so major like a delay of game or someone's bleeding or something like that? Like, which way would you rather see it played? Sarah? Allison, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to answer because here's the, like, I I actually had a conversation um, with the, um, with JT Brown, who does on-air analysis for the Kraken. And I just really love how he balances Um, really, you know, data-driven thought process with his on-ice experience. And I I just, I hated the way round one started with so many calls. So, like, I kind of feel like 
but I hate being the let them play person too, but I don't, and that wasn't JT's point. Um, so I, I don't want the ticky tacky calls. I want consistency in keeping the game safe and fair. That's what I want. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I kind of hate being the let them play person too, but I don't think we realize how long we would all hate. I mean, I've talked to Dave Jackson, who's the ESPN um, rules expert, and he was a NHL referee for, what was it, 17 seasons. But he said something that made me think once, that we would all hate the amount of calls that we're doing everything completely evenly. And I, I thought I had some criticism for the officiating because – I felt like games were getting out of hand in the first round, at least. And they didn't, the younger guys maybe didn't know how to control the game. So people are fighting and still they're calling everything. It seems I'm just like, that was the worst of both worlds. And I think I'd rather let, uh, they've been, what people don't understand either is that they used to let hooks fly. Even 10 years ago, it was like a different game you're watching and they have gotten stricter. So I think they actually have gotten stricter, but we notice every little thing these days. So I kind of say let them play. Excellent. Anything else on the upcoming Stanley Cup final, my friends? There's going to be lots to break down as it unfolds. All right, I got there my you go. <laughs> I got my questions in. I was curious, so we I like had to it. get those in. We like it. All I right, just hope so. we all have fun. We might have a... Event on the horizon for That's all right. of us. That's right. There might be some, some live watch opportunities coming, so stay tuned for that. Um, but before we wrap up and maybe tease that a little bit more, um, we always end every episode with a fuck, Mary kill. And this episode comes from longtime friend of the pod and repeat fuck, Mary kill nominator, Alex Pritch 61 on Twitter. And we're going to modify this a little bit. Um, she, uh, Alex said, in honor of the spirit of Pride Month, fuck, Mary kill, Pride Night jerseys from this season. And one is a double entry. We have the Kraken, and, and we, are, we are looking at these three jerseys right now for our full and complete analysis. Option number one is the Kraken. Option number two is the Rangers. And option number three is the Coyotes with the asterisks that they are standing in for the Canes since the Canes didn't do one. Sarah, you're up first. Yep, the Canes didn't do one. They didn't do much of anything. And the league told me that they did away with hockey is for everyone ambassadors. But I found out that other teams, in fact, have hockey is for everyone ambassadors. And they did away with forcing people to do it. And I guess... Nobody on the Canes wants to do it, so that's nice. Um, and I guess I didn't want to have a Pride Day either, or a Pride jersey or anything like that, so that's great. Uh, I, ooh, this is tough. I just love the Coyotes. I, I love that jersey I always have, and I love the little Pride twist on it. So I'm marrying that. I am fucking Seattle because I thought that was a unique take on it, and it had kind of a history if – Anybody, I'm sure Seattle expert Alice can get get into that. I'm going to kill the Rangers. I still like it. It's just not as innovative as the rest to me. Shayna. So I'm going to kill the Coyotes, actually. I'm going to fuck the Rangers. Wait, I do why? Like the- why? 
because I have reasons for keeping the other two. It's okay, as simple as enough. that. Fair Process enough. of elimination. That's totally fair. Totally um, fair. I like the Rangers, like, number detail. I feel like they could have done more. But I do think it's important. Like, this is an original six franchise that doesn't always do things the way maybe we'd want to see it done. Very traditional. So it's nice to see them actually go outside the box and do a pride jersey. I It might be the first one they did. I really... I, I wish I knew off the top of my head. I just can't remember if they did one in the last couple of years. But I think the fact that an original six franchise team can do it, even if it's not as creative as the rest, does say something. And, it, you know, that makes me hopeful that things are going in the right direction. You know, we're looking for baby steps because not everyone is going to take leaps. Um, I will marry the Kraken. I think it's different. I think it's unique. I think they went outside the box. It's not, let's slap a rainbow on this and call it a day. They went for it with every jersey they did. I think that, I think Vancouver and Seattle are the teams that absolutely crushed it this year with their creativity. And I think New Jersey did a pretty good job too. Um, I think it's not just the sentiment of doing it, which is above all else, the most important but I like to see thought go into it. I like to see who they pick as the creators for the design. And that it's someone that it, it's more meaningful that it's coming from them. So for that, I will marry the Kraken. Yeah. Well, I will, of course, obviously marry the Kraken. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> um, and, and yes, to Shana's point, what the Kraken have done this season and they are going to continue to do is that they find local artists from within the communities that they are honoring and highlighting to come up with the design. And, you know, particularly with this jersey, they even shook up the logo. It's not even the official Kraken logo. And so to allow that freedom to express the message in the way that they want. And also, um, to Shana's point, not only did the Kraken bring in a local artist from the community to do the design, they highlighted that individual story. They featured them in a big social media push and at games. So um, it's not just the jersey that I like. It's everything that went into making the jersey happen. It's, a, in my opinion, a true um, example of the jersey is the result of all the work that was put forward in front of it and what the jersey is supposed to do. Um, so I'm going to marry the Kraken. I am going to fuck the Coyotes because, I mean, that's, again, I mean, Kachinka, come on. Pride Kachinka, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go! (laughs) Let's go. Um, And then, um, unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to kill the Rangers. You know, Shane, I think your points are so awesome about it being an original six, but I do think that there could have been more, and it's just a little conservative, and I like the other two better. So there you go. That's my take. I think that's fair. All right. My friends, Stanley Cup Final Hockey begins tonight. Anything that we've missed? Uh, no, we can discuss it later. Um, you know what? I want to, I wanna, as everybody's watching the Cup Final, this is the first time on ESPN, I want everyone to like tweet us your thoughts on the broadcast. And as you watch it, think about what you want. In, in a broadcast, in a national broadcast that's covering the Stanley Cup final. I'd love to hear, you know, the good, the bad, what you're looking for, what it's lacking, where it could improve, where it's fine. Just give us kind of your takes on that because I feel like this is something we're going to talk about a lot, like, in general, how the game's covered, how it should be covered. So, like, a little feedback would be cool. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Not much. All right. Well, there you go. Well, my <laughs> friends... Please, as always, follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. 
Sarah always wants me to remind you to please rate us, but only if you like us on iTunes <laughs> yeah. or whatever podcasting platform you like and write us a nice little review. Um, you can also find our merch. The link is in our show notes. The link is in our Twitter bio. And it is also on our website, toomanymenpod.com. Check us out. Connect with us. We'd love to hear from you, even outside the show, even outside the specific questions we ask y'all. Again, it is Pride Month. We stand with our LGBTQIA plus community, friends, and allies every day. But particularly this month, we want to highlight and celebrate them. And until we talk again, we want to remind you that sexism is bad. Racism is bad. Don't do it and don't stand for it from others. Until we talk again, take care of each other. <laughs> love you. Oh, Allison, you remind me of, um, I love your message, but you remind me of the Lonely Island. Sexism, knock it off. Racism, <laughs> knock it off. We have to play that at the end of every episode. <laughs> Shana, say bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.